Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Hey, it's Christmas time. This has been a season unlike any other in 2020. I don't know what you're facing, but the Christmas story reminds us that God can birth the most beautiful of blessings, the most divine moments, even in the most lowly of situations. I don't know what you're facing or what you came in here caring, but I promise you this, God wants to meet you right where you're at. And he's gonna take you further and farther than you ever hoped, dreamed, or imagined. If you can raise your expectation, Jesus, the, the, the story, the nativity, the Christmas story is not something to be treated as common. This is a beautiful miracle for us to be reminded fresh and new and turn our hearts to God so that he can birth something beautiful again. Amen? Amen. Come on, give it up for the worship team. Hey, let's greet everybody online who's watching at home. We love you guys so very much. You can grab your seat. Oh, it's good to see you all. What a season 2020 has been. I want to brag on you for a moment, church. A few weeks ago, uh, we received a Heart for the House offering. Maybe you're brand new to our church or unfamiliar with it. It's our once a year special opportunity to give above and beyond our normal so that God can do something above and beyond normal through our church. This year, our Heart for the House wasn't about a building project, really not about anything for us as a church. It's about what God can do through us. It's more about heart for humanity, a heart for the world. It was an opportunity to give to missions and to outreach both locally, nationally, and globally. And I just want to brag on you because even in a year like this, uh, so many of you participated and many of you extravagantly, sacrificially, that we have funded every single missions initiative fully and above and beyond. Come on, let's give it up for being a giver. What a beautiful church. What a great reminder that it ain't just about us. And in a season or a year of so much struggle, you said yes to the significant thing God wanted to do through you. And let me just tell you, as a pastor, uh, Liz and I are just very grateful to get to lead such a generous church that even out of many, many of you, maybe out of a, a season of need, you still responded with sacrificial generosity. It is a beautiful thing. And through our giving, God's going to change so many lives, touch so many hearts, help so many hurting people. Well done, church. I'm really proud of you. Really love you. What an honor it is to get to lead you and to be a part of this church family together. Amen? Amen. Well, here we are at Christmas time. Now, I don't know about you. I grew up in church. Parents are pastors, missionaries. I know the Christmas story. In fact, I probably can recite every gospel account of the Christmas story verbatim. Uh, I grew up super churched. I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma originally, which is like the Jerusalem of America, Tulsa, Jerusalem. <laughs> and I can, you know, New King James, I can, I can quote the whole thing pretty much. And, and yet I wonder how many of us are taking this story for granted. I wonder how many of us in this Christmas season uh, just kind of go through the motions of, of what it looks like to be a believer in this season and show up in church and kind of know what you're going to get not realizing the, the beauty and the wonder, the majesty and the miracle of what Christmas really means for us. In fact, something that's been on Liz and I's heart the last couple of days, really, is that we would not give up contending for miracles even in 2020. 
that maybe the Christmas miracle can, can prove to us and remind us that God can do the greatest of things to the most unlikely of situations or circumstances. So maybe every circumstance in your life is pointing towards like, I'm going to wait till 2021 or I'm going to believe again when things get better. I want to awaken the expectation for the miraculous move of God, even in this season. God does his best work when the world's at its at its worst. The Christmas story is a miracle story. It reminds us that God cares, that God comes close, that God does something great in the most unexpected of ways. Luke chapter two, the angel shows up to speak to Mary. This is big news that he's bringing her. This is a sacrificial request for her to carry Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ into the world. And the angel says, hey, fear not. I, I, I got some news for you. Things are going to change. Uh, things, your plans are, are maybe going to go away. God's plan is going to show up. He says, I bring you good news of great joy. A savior has been born. I love this. This is the key for you. He is Christ the Lord. I love this because we all know the story of Christmas. Even if you're brand new in church, you know the story completely. This is what we have being born in America. We're very aware of this story. But sometimes we miss the fact that this is a personal story. This is a for us story. This is also for us to bring this to the others around us. It is for you, but it's also not just about you. This is a gift. Jesus is a personal gift from God for your life. Now, Jesus, three decades later, says that there's an enemy out there that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I think we've experienced a lot of that in 2020, maybe unlike any other year. The, the enemy, the attack, the animosity, the prejudice, the pain, everything that people might have been facing this year, the struggle has been real. But Jesus says, hey, let me tell you why I'm here. I'm this gift that's come to you to give you life, life even in its fullest. Not an empty, not a worn out, not a beaten down life. No, a full life. You're not experiencing a full life in your inside world. I pray that through this message, through the whisper of the Holy Spirit to your heart, whatever you're facing, that you would have a resurrection of hope and an expectation, even of the miraculous, that where you have been empty, that God would fill you up. We believe this is a season of miracles. Christmas miracle. I mean, I've ever used that joke. Oh, it's a Christmas miracle. I believe there's a Christmas miracle for you. I think between now and the end of the year, that something might not change outwardly, but something can change inwardly. I don't know what miracle you need. I think some of us have given up on a friend or a family member coming to Jesus, someone coming back to faith, maybe even a restoration in a relationship. Maybe this season or this struggle that we've all been in has been devastating to your resource, to your finances. Maybe you need a miraculous provision in your life. Maybe you need miraculous healing. I know we're playing and believing that for my own mom. She needs a touch of heaven. She needs a miraculous healing in her life. I know she's probably watching right now. We're believing for a miracle. I'm believing for a miracle for you. But you've got to have an expectation, an anticipation, an excitement for yourself. I know as we get into winter season, everything gets cold. Everything gets dark. The days get shorter. The opportunity to just be looking down and maybe even losing hope is all around us. But yet in the middle of maybe what you're experiencing in misery, there is a miracle that God wants to do. If you would have faith to believe 
and expect. And just know that this story teaches us that God does his absolute best even when the world is at its worst. What's the miracle that you need? I want to preach to you today, encourage you today to have an expectation and also to do this, to not miss the miracle. In fact, that's what I'm going to speak about today through the Christmas story. Don't miss the miracle. Can we pray? Come on, those online, let's pray together. Let's have open hearts to hear what God wants to say. Much more important than what I came to say is God wants to speak to you. Do you believe that? Lord, we love you and we need you more than ever. Lord, we're asking you to do a deep work in every area of our heart for every soul that is thirsty. Lord, I thank you, you would satisfy. For every heart that is discouraged, I thank you, you would bring hope. Will we put our trust in anything other than you? Lord, we're taking it back and putting it on your well-capable shoulders. Lord, I pray that this would not be another message, not another Christmas message. This would be a miracle message that people would hear and respond in faith. And you would do what only you can do and what you have planned to do in your goodness, even for years where maybe someone has given up believing, we're going to believe again and we're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living right here and right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Jesus is a miracle worker. Where he shows up, divine things happen. Everywhere Jesus went in his ministry, miracles were happening. And yet some people missed the miracle. In Jesus' ministry, when he goes back to his hometown, in Mark chapter 6, they treated Jesus as common. They actually dishonored him. And Jesus, who has nothing but love for people, the Bible says that God is love. Jesus is love. If you want to know what God looks like, just look at the life of Jesus helping people, lifting people up, healing people. Jesus is showing back up to his hometown to help the people that he knew. Jesus would heal random strangers on the side of the road. How much more did he want to do something great for those that were like family to him? And yet they treated it as as common. It says in Mark 6 verse 5, Jesus could do no mighty work there. Except, I love this, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. How many know, like in our day and age, that would be an unbelievable miracle. But that was like the lowest level of what Jesus could do with some miraculous healings because they doubted, they disputed who he was, and they dishonored him. It it tied the hands of heaven so the reach of God could not touch the hearts of those people. Something in their hearts stopped God's hand from working. I'm not here to challenge. I'm definitely not here to correct. Definitely not here to discourage. But I may be by the word of God and maybe by the whisper of the Holy Spirit to your own heart. Is there an area in your heart or your mind that is stopping the miraculous move of God? Is there something you're holding onto or missing in your, your, your viewpoint that is hindering the help of heaven in your life. Don't miss the miracle. It's amazing in this season that the word Christ is on everybody's lips. Come on, even unbelievers are saying Christmas. They're saying Christ. It means the anointed one, the only one, the one God destined and designed to save, to heal, and to restore. We're saying the name on our lips, but many of us aren't experiencing the relationship in our, in our hearts I don't want you to miss what God wants to do in this season. 
Christmas shows us that God has an unbelievable heart for all of humanity. And if you've been so discouraged in this year that you haven't had an anticipation of the divine power of God at work in your world or in your life, I want you to raise your expectation again. Even in the very first Christmas story, the one we're all so familiar with, there are people that missed the God opportunity. People that missed the miracles. I'm going to give you two simple reasons why many of us might miss a miracle that has been around us. And I believe that we're going to overcome it by faith even today and not miss what God wants to do now and what God wants to do next. But one of the reasons people will miss a miracle from God is it gets stolen away by stress. How many of y'all know this has been a stressful year? I hadn't had any gray hairs. Well, as a ginger, I go white, but I'm going to be looking like Gandalf at the end of this year because this has been a high stress year for all of us. I took last week off, which was great, but I preached, I think at the end of the year, I'll preach 47 Sundays, whether it's online or in person. Uh, And I know that's what all of you think my only job is, but that's a lot of preaching. I haven't done that since first year, first, first, first two years of this church. It's been a lot to lead through. Uh, I don't know what you've had to face. Probably many of you in more difficult situations than I have been. This has been a stress-filled year. Yet when we allow worry to work in our inside world, we stop the Almighty from working on us. When we worry, when we stress, we'll steal away, allow stress to steal away the significant thing God is wanting to do. Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells the story. It's a parable of the sower. And he says, God's plan, God's word, God's ways are trying to be planted in right soil. And yet it says, worry is one of the chief culprits that stops God from working. It says all too quickly, the message, the the ministry, the miracle of God is crowded out by the worries of this life. He says things like the lure of wealth, the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. In other words, the opportunity for something divine is there, but you can't get the fruit or or see the faithfulness of God because you're in fear, because you're worried, because you're allowing stress. Some of you are too stressed to be blessed by what God wants to do. In fact, many times it's good things, good things that you're maybe even supposed to do, but they just overtake some of the things God is asking of you. I believe busyness is one of the great barriers to the blessing of God. I'm not talking about working hard or being efficient or effective. I think all those things are God honoring. But when we pour ourselves completely out or get so worn out from worry, that busyness might be a barrier of the blessing or the favor of God in your life, in your world. I think about the first Christmas story. Someone who was actually blessed in that season, who a good thing that they were experiencing stopped a God thing of what God was wanting to do. I'm looking at the innkeeper. We don't know his name. The innkeeper who said, hey, I've got no room for Jesus in my inn. And that time and day would be in his own house. I I have no room for Jesus to be born here. Of course, he didn't know it was Jesus. He didn't know of the prophecy. But what he did know is there was a pregnant woman that was giving birth that night and he had no room available for her. Luke chapter two, verse seven. So Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was what? No room for them in the end. Now, it's interesting that the prophecy about Jesus was that he would be born in Bethlehem, but there are no prophecies about him being born in a barn. 
or in a manger. Think about this man who, yes, he opened up his stable for this pregnant woman to give birth, but he lived in that inn. He had an opportunity in his own home to open up space for a person in need, let alone for the Messiah to be born in their place of work or their own home that he lived in. And yet he missed it. I think we would all know his name and we'd all celebrate him if he would have shown hospitality in this moment. But yet for him, this season, this week where everyone's coming for the senses back in Bethlehem, this is actually a season of blessing for him. Like things are going well. How many know no vacancy is good news for an innkeeper? You got a hotel, a motel, a holiday inn, say what? This is, this is good news for him. And yet he missed out on the good news, the gospel that could have come through his place of work or in his own home. Business is booming. He's sold out. He's thinking this is good. But how many know sometimes good things can stop God things? Sometimes good things can stop gospel things. He had an opportunity for something so much more significant, and yet he, he missed it. What an honor it would have been to welcome the Savior of the world into your work or into your home. Don't miss the opportunity. Make room for Jesus. Don't just know the story. Realize this is his personal story about the one who wants to give life, life in its fullness for you, for your family, and even into your future. Ultimately, what God wants to do, I think that is most significant, is what he wants to do through your life, not just in your life. He does a work in us so that he can do a work through us. And yet many of us, even in this holiday season, even at stay at home or, or quarantine or social distancing, I know many of us normally have so many parties that we're going to. And I, I know some of you are still going to them. You're just not posting about it. So the internet police don't attack you. But we've all had to battle with the restrictions or the limitations. But I promise you this, you have a God that knows no limitations. And he wants to show up in a mighty way in your world. But you can't allow good things to steal away from God things. And I'm all for the Christmas traditions. We do them all at our house. We've had our Christmas tree up well before Thanksgiving. We are those people. Elf on the shelf. Of course, we've got the elf on the shelf. We got elves on multiple shelves. We love the tradition, but don't miss the meaning of this all. This is the most divine and beautiful story. What we celebrate at Christmas, what we remember on Easter, on Resurrection Sunday, this is the story that isn't just historical, it's transformational. And let's not miss the wonder and the beauty of God working in us, God working through us. There are miracles in store for you if you don't allow stress to steal away what God is wanting to do, that which is significant in your life. Contrast the, 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 the opportunity the innkeeper missed with the opportunity that Mary took. Mary shows up, and as, my, as much as it might have been inconvenient for the innkeeper to give up his room for a night, uh, Mary's given her life up for this thing. When the angel shows up and says, hey, I got good news. This is a great joy. This is what God's wanting to do for all the world. And guess what? He's, he's chosen you as a worthy vessel to carry like the Christ into the world. But we all know this came with a great cost. In other words, your agenda is forever changing. Your dreams are forever changing. Your plans are going out the window so God's plan can 
prevail. God asked so much of her. And yet her response in Luke chapter one, verse 38 is, okay, I'm the Lord's servant. If you're asking it of me, God, I'm going to give it to you. You're not here to serve me, God. I'm here to serve you. And may your word to me be fulfilled. One translation says, let it be unto me according to your word. In other words, God, if you're asking me something that cost, the answer is yes. God, if you want to change the agenda for my life, I'm going to trust you more than my own dreams and desires. I'm willing to make all the room in my life for you because this was a cost. Not only did it put her wedding plans on hold, but she'd be moving to Egypt to keep her son safe in just a few short years. She was under attack. And yet she answers with the heart of hospitality that says, God, whatever you want, the answer ahead of time is going to be yes. If you're asking, the answer is yes. She allowed her agenda to be changed so God's plan could prevail. I mean, the blessing of Jesus for us was a struggle and a stress for her. And yet she counted the cost and says, if you're asking, I'm saying yes. What areas of your life is God asking you to be inconvenienced? What areas of your life, and maybe you've allowed the stress of this world to push out and push away the plan of heaven, the agenda of heaven for your life. Can we be a little bit more like Mary, a little less like the innkeeper? Instead of saying, I got no more room for anything that God wants to do. Can we say my whole life is an offering, holy and acceptable unto you. Whatever you want to do through me, God, the, the answer is yes ahead of time. Don't miss your miracle. The second type of people that we see in this story that miss the miracle are those that just become too familiar. Don't miss your miracle. There is a failure of familiarity. We just become familiar with the story. I know all of us deal with this. I, I know I do. I, again, I, I can quote the whole story pretty much verbatim. And yet if it doesn't change me, if it doesn't bring wonder into my life, if it doesn't bring awe into my life. I might know the story, but I'm missing the point. This should be something we are not familiar with. The, the Christmas story, if it doesn't inspire you anymore, if it's lost, it's wonder. I pray that you would get your passion back because it says unto you, a child is born. Jesus, says, I've come to give you life in its fullness. This is a personal story, not just a historical, not just a Bible story, not just a, a, a church story. This is a personal story of the savior of the world coming to us in our time of greatest need. You know, there's a lot of talk uh, about vaccines. I know that was an abrupt change right there. <laughs> Hot topic issue, vaccines. And I've already split my church a few times this year. And I'm not trying to go vaxxer, anti-vaxxer for a moment. But, and I don't know a lot about how this works. Uh, I just know that sometimes they give you a little bit of the sickness so that like your body develops like not enough to get it, but enough to fight it. And you get these antibodies in, in, in your life and in your body, and then it can fight off the actual sickness. I mean, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, but I think it's called inoculation. Is that right? Anybody here with a medical degree? I know you didn't go to medical school, but I, I like your head nod. I'll take it. In other words, we get a little bit, but not all of it. When it comes to a vaccine and sickness, that might be a good thing. 
But when it comes to like the power and the plan of God working through us, when we grow up with a Christmas historical mindset and not realizing this is God's heart for humanity, we get a little bit every year, but we never get the full thing. And I want you to wake up to the wonder of the love of God for your life and have your eyes opened again to how good God has been to you. Don't have the failure of familiarity where this just becomes something common something we do in December every year. No, this is what changes us every day. The God in his great love for humanity would come down himself, would show up in our broken world, would bring restoration, would bring salvation, would bring redemption with him. It's the greatest gift of all. It's the greatest story of all time. And it's the story that changes you every day. But there were those that knew the whole story of what God was wanting to do, but weren't in on the story of what God was doing. They had the inoculation. They had the failure of familiarity. Because it's interesting to me that not a single religious leader, priest, a rabbi, not a single scribe or theologian or even philosopher, none of the religious elite were there when Jesus showed up. Who was there? The shepherds. Who was there a few years later? The wise men, the magi. In other words, shepherds, the outcast of society, were invited in. It's a great reminder that all of us, no matter how much you grew up in church, you were far from God until God came to you. You did not save yourself by living right or by church attendance. No, you were saved by the cross of Christ. That's a miracle. And, and, and then those that were pursuing the presence of Jesus, the magi, at great lengths, they get to meet the newborn king. It's beautiful that none of the religious elite got in, but those that no one else would have thought would be there are the ones that are invited in. Don't forget that we are all outsiders invited in to this family of faith. The grace of God is a gift, not for just Christmas or Easter. It's for every single day of your life. Let's be like the Magi. Let's pursue the presence of Jesus, even at great cost. When the wise men come to King Herod. They say, hey, we're here in Israel. We know you're the king. You must know where the new king is coming. Is it being born in your house? Is it part of your family heritage? Uh, where, where's the king going to be born? And so Herod, in, in a hurry and, and worry and trying to control and manipulate in his insecurity, he then turns to the religious scholars and says, hey, uh, where's the, the, the new king of Israel? Where's the Messiah supposed to be born? You know, they've been waiting for hundreds of years. This was their whole life work, these religious scholars. From the end of the Old Testament to, to the beginning of this Christmas story, it's like 400 years. Like this has been what God's people were supposed to be waiting in anticipation and expecting for generations. And yet none of them get invited in. It says this in Matthew 2, King Herod called a meeting of all the leading priests and teachers of the law and asked them where the Christ would be born. They answered because they knew the answer immediately because they grew up studying, understanding and knowing what the scripture and the prophecy said. But somehow along the way, it was no longer personal. They answered, it's in the town of Bethlehem in Judea. The prophet, it was Micah, wrote about this in the scriptures. What do we learn from this? They had all the facts, none of the faith. They had all the knowledge and none of the passion. Instead of taking a step 
towards Jesus, they sit back and talk about what it's supposed to be like. Do you know how close Bethlehem is from Jerusalem? It's about five miles. It's a couple hours of walking. They were so close to what people had been in anticipation for years. Their education was in this, and yet their heart was disconnected from it. Yeah, we don't know how far the wise men and the magi traveled, but we have to think it's maybe 500, maybe even 1,000 miles or more. In other words, at great cost on a probably three-year journey, they were willing to put their lives on pause to pursue the presence of the promised one, to pursue the presence of Jesus. And yet the religious leaders wouldn't even go five miles to see for themselves. I think this is still prevalent in our world today that many of us know all about the story. We know all about the plan. We know all about what God has done and what God wants to do and how Jesus who rose from the grave is coming again. And yet we've lost the passion or the wonder. We've got the failure of familiarity. And I want to encourage you today that if you're not in wonder of the gift of Jesus in your life, the greatest gift of all, that you would wake up that passion again, that you would find your purpose again. Because ultimately the beauty of this story is it's not just something that happened for us. It's something God wants to utilize us to bring for others. That we become so understanding or inoculated with this beautiful story that we miss the fact that there's still a part for us to play because you can have all the Christmas lights on in the world and still be in the dark. Ephesians chapter four, verse 18, their minds are in the dark and they're stubborn. So they've missed out on the life that comes from God. I wonder how many of us, this is not in judgment, but maybe if this strikes a chord in your heart, you would spend some time leaning into the Holy Spirit the one who can truly speak one word to your heart and radically change you. If you've lost the wonder of this beauty, beautiful story, uh, I wonder if you're missing what he wants to do fully in you and what he wants to do through you. How can we not miss it? This is the opportunity we have, man, a year unlike any other. If we've ever needed Christmas, it's right now. If we've ever needed hope, it's right now. Do you know that God's plan is for you to bring the hope and the healing to the world around you? And if we've lost sight of the beauty of this story, then we've missed the breakthrough and the potential and the power of what God wants to do through us. There's a miracle in the making for you. I don't know what you've gone through this year. I just know this. You're not going through it alone. I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about the presence of God is with you and for you. And you might need to wake up to the with maybe some things that have been taken from you, but you've received a gift 2,000 years ago that radically changes your everyday expectation and should ignite a Holy Spirit passion to bring help and healing to the world around you. How do we not miss the miracle? Number one, stop going through the motions. Stop going through the motions. I'm talking about your daily agenda, your schedule, your life. Be effective, be fruitful work, pour into your family. Those are all great God things when they're done in right order. But if you do not have a passion for Jesus, put everything else on pause until you get your heart aflame again and your passion renewed again for what Jesus has done for you. Psalm 39 says, all of man's busy rushing ends in nothing. And I want to say to you, beware of the barrenness of a busy life that you can go through the motions or even just trying to survive 2020, 
news for you. Things aren't going to change in just one day in our nation and in our world. We're in a season that we're going to come out of. And I believe this, for those that have their passion ignited and their perspective restored, you're going to come out of this stronger than you went into because that is the way that God works. But you've got to wake up that wonder and that passion yourself. God, no one else can do it for you. I can't preach you into a fire or a fervency in your faith. You've got to pursue Jesus yourself. Second thing, you've got to pursue Jesus. Like the Magi, you've got to be willing to risk a little bit, to sacrifice a little bit, to pursue the presence of Jesus. There's a miracle to be a part of this season for your life, but I want to grow you in your maturity and your faith. The greatest miracle that you can ever be a part of what God does through you the lives of the people all around you. The fact that you're here on a Sunday morning when it's cold, when it's dark, when it's COVID shows me that, hey, you might have your own relationship with Jesus. Maybe you came searching for one. Uh, We're going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus for yourself, the greatest of all gifts. But you're here in church and I don't don't take that for granted. Those watching online, I don't take that for granted. I think that's wonderful. But many of us have gotten into a pattern and a routine in our life. And we're missing the purpose of heaven. That we can actually be the greatest miracle bringer to the world around us when we get our eyes off of ourselves and get out of our discouragement and get some inner courage to be the believer God has called us to be. Jesus, time and again, when he encounters people in a place of need, he doesn't just do the miracle. He has this phrase. He uses it at least three times. And he says, hey, have what your faith expects. Of course Jesus can do the miracle in a moment. Jesus turned the water to wine and no one else knew but the servants that were carrying the jars. But Jesus, an encounter with a person in their pain or their brokenness, their sickness or the disease, whatever it was, he showed up and said, okay, have what your faith expects. So if you don't expect anything, you're not going to get anything. But you, if you would expect something, that's what faith is. It's an expectation of God's goodness to be seen in your life, in the land of the living, to be seen in your future. If you can have an expectation, I believe Jesus will not only meet it, he'll exceed it. That's how Jesus works. He never does something just to par, just to minimum. He said, I've come to give you life in its fullness. There's a miracle to be a part of this season. There's a miracle for your life. Don't miss the significance. Jesus was born to God's people in that moment. Hebrews, the Jewish people, in their moment of great pain, where they're under a regime taxed to the hilt, no freedoms, no future. They were under control, marginalized, manipulated, controlled. And yet Jesus is born in the most lowly of ways raise them up, to raise us up to the most greatest places. So if you're on a low right now, if you're running empty right now, you might need Jesus to be born again in your life. You might need to quit going through the motions and choose today. I'm carving out significant space and time to pursue the Holy Spirit. I'm going to dig into the Word. I'm going to ask God to speak to me. I'm not going to become so familiar with this story that it doesn't touch my heart. And maybe while I'm waiting for my miracle, I'm going to be the miracle for the world around me. I'm going to look for people to bless, people to bring hope to, people to encourage, 
I'm not going to wallow in my misery. I'm going to be the miracle in the making for the world that's all around me. Why don't we stand to our feet? I want to pray for you. I want to pray that miraculous power shows up in your life, in your world. I want to pray that you get your hope back, that you get your peace back, that you would believe greater than you have before. Every old dream that you may be given up on, that you would believe again. When you've just been making it through a year that maybe has been misery for you, no, that you would expect a miracle and a hand of God to show up in every area of your life. Father God, I thank you that you are good and you do good. For everything that's gone wrong in this world, I believe, God, you can use it to turn us closer to you. So, Lord, forgive us where we've allowed the circumstances of life to push us away from your presence. Father, forgive us where we become so familiar with this story, this message that matters the most of your great love for humanity, where we've become so familiar that it's become ordinary to us. Lord, I thank you, you would wake up an extraordinary expectation that if you can bring Jesus to the most lowly of places, then you can meet us in our low places. Lord, I thank you, you're gonna raise us up to new life, new hope, and new faith. I speak healing in this house. I speak your provision. I think that the door of destiny is not closed on any life or any situation. I think that lost friends and lost family are coming home to Jesus, are coming back to faith. I thank you that there will be miracles in this house, miracles in their home, miracles in their life. Lord, use us to bring the miracle to the world around us. Lord, I thank you that we're going to have what our faith expects. And we've expected far too little for far too long. And so I'm just believing as the pastor of this church that I get to lead people into a place of God pursuit unlike anything they've ever seen before. We are hungry and thirsty for more of your presence and we will be dissatisfied with anything less than your very best in every area. In Jesus' mighty name. I'm gonna take a moment just to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Maybe your faith has grown cold. Maybe it's been lethargic. Maybe it's even been dead. And you're here out of familiarity, or maybe you feel like a religious obligation, or maybe you've never received the greatest gift of all, the gift of Jesus. What a shame it would be to be so close and yet so far, just like the scholars in Jerusalem, five miles away, but didn't take that step to go see for themselves. Maybe you've never taken the first step of faith. It starts with a moment of surrender to give your sins, your shame, your struggles, and your life over to the one who already paid the price on the cross. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes to give space to the person next to us? If you're here, if you're watching online and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, this is your moment. And maybe you've said yes, but you've allowed it to become so familiar that you've lost your faith. This is your moment to come back home, to reawaken and ignite a passion for God. With no one looking around, we're all gonna pray a prayer together. But if you're here in the room or you're online, he says, I need to give my heart to Jesus. I need to come home to him or I need to get back to pursuing him first in my life. If that's you with no one looking around, can you just raise your hand and say, hey, Pastor Kyle, that's me. I need a fresh start. I see your hand, man. I see your hand, dear. I'm proud of you, sir. Well done, sir. Four, five, six of you, seven of you. That's awesome. Anyone online, let us know if you're making a decision today. That's incredible for the seven or eight of you in the room and everyone here just for a moment of the greatest miracle of all, the miracle of salvation. Let's pray this prayer. Would you say this with me? Say, dear God. Dear God. I love you. I love you. I need you. I need you. I've been far from you. I've been far from you. I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my heart. I need your hope. I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I believe that at the cross. I believe that. 
My sins have been paid for. My sins have been paid for. I don't have to carry them any longer. I don't have to carry them I any longer. I now cast my cares on you because I know you care for me. Because I know you care. From for this me. moment on, from this moment, my heart is 100% yours. 100% my life yours. is yours. I want your best in my life. So I give you all of mine. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. For everyone who prayed that prayer, everyone in the room, can we celebrate Jesus?